Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week's episode we have... Lauren. Lachlan. Camille. And Justin. This week we find out about Jupiter, the wrecking ball, but also saviour of our solar system and what exactly it did to help us grow, but also destroy things in the process. We also learn about earthquakes, so strong and so powerful that they can be measured in places that you least expect. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. So Lachlan, it's been said that a lot that you come in like a wrecking ball and you like just demolish boundaries and walls that inhibit social progress, conversations or terrible jokes. <laughs> wow! <laughs> That's quite an attack on my character, Justin. Was it an attack? I was saying that you were like striking down misconceptions and striving forward to a new paradigm. That's quite a generous endorsement of my character, Justin. <laughs> we reversed that analogy. <laughs> um, I'd say it's because I'm great at, like, I've got a really strong gravitational personality and I just make people who like me orbit around me. And you form a really cohesive environment that's safe and collaborative and engaging and really let new things flourish and grow on their own. Exactly, I'd say that exactly. And that would make you almost a leader, a king of that group. Yes. Much like the same way Jupiter is king of the planets. So you become a leader of planet, a leader of people and cultivating those around you in a nice, great environment as a leader. But even our solar system has a leader, the king of the planets, Jupiter. So we really actually owe quite a bit to Jupiter, and not just because it has a totally radical red spot and far too many moons to count. Jupiter actually has a really, really important job in our solar system, but it also, like all good leaders, is balanced precariously on the edge of tyrannical overlord who destroys everything and peaceful protector. Camille, what, what actually has Jupiter done for us? Alright, so during like the formation of the solar system, um, what happened was uh, Jupiter and Saturn, the really big planets in our solar system, jumped their orbits, went around in the centre of the sun, kind of destroying and taking up all the material that was in that centre area um, and putting off like through like a gravitational disturbance, making all this extra matter run into the sun, become part of their planet, until Saturn like forced Jupiter out again. And so what we're left with is pretty much nothing there. And out of these materials is where we get planets like Earth and um, Mercury, Mercury. Venus, Mars. That, and that's really fascinating. So what you're saying is that Jupiter was basically like, ah. Oh, Sun, I see you've got a nice accretion disk of rocky matter and materials around you. I'm just going to come in and have a chow down. I'm just going to hang out here. Eat all this stuff. Put my face straight in the trough and just keep eating. <laughs> and then Saturn was like, hey, buddy, buddy, I think you've had enough. Oh, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> you, better, you better come out of the inner solar system. No, man, I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, so the reason why we notice something like this is that when we have planet hunters, which pretty much look at different solar systems and how the different planets were forming. And what they noticed was that um, in different solar systems you had larger 
planets. We call them super giants. So like super Earth type things. So kind of like Jupiter and Saturn sized closer to the sun. Whereas when you look at Earth, there's this huge gap where there should have been these large super Earth type things. And so they come up with a model called the Grant Tack model, um, explaining that Jupiter moved inwards, got up all this material, moved back out again, and so that stopped the formation of any of these super giant planets near the sun. And so in the second stage, um, you have Earth, Mars, Venus, Mercury. Hanging out. Hanging out and creating these teeny tiny ones. And that's why we don't see planets necessarily like us in most solar systems, because we've got quite a weird one. Yeah, because we not only have Jupiter, the big supergiant who gorged on the, the remnants of the, the formation of the solar system, but we also have Saturn, who's there protecting us and going, Jupiter, keep it in mind, buddy. You know, like, just, just have some moderation about it. Whereas in other solar systems that we find, you actually see just like huge, really big planets that are absolutely massive in size, sometimes rocky, sometimes gaseous, being closer to the sun than Mercury is. And that's just, you know, crazy when you compare it to our solar system. But it shows that our solar system is more the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, so when you kind of think of it, it's, I guess, having that knowledge of outer solar systems has given us our own perspective on our own solar system and how different things form. Because, you know, usually you think, okay, so the usual order of solar systems, you have the teeny tiny planets first, and then you have these big super gas giants out back because they're so cool. But when you study them compared to others, you're like, oh, actually, this doesn't quite that theory, fit in. That theory doesn't make much sense compared to everywhere else. So all the f- ideas we had previously about how our planet and our solar system worked have been have to, theories have to be modified now that we've seen how the rest of the universe does it. That, that's really quite fascinating. That Jupiter sort of had to be reined back and, and labelled us like any good leader to give us space to grow and develop on our own and become great in our own right. Yeah, and so that's why, um, like, rocky-type planets with an atmosphere like ours is really rare. It's because mm, they don't have their Saturns and Jupiters coming in, destroying it all, and then being pulled back out to leave other little planets to build themselves up. That's why we have all our rocky planets in the middle and our super gas giants out the back. That's really cool. Now, I mentioned that Jupiter is, is, a, is a sort of dangerous force, a bit of a wrecking ball, and once pulled back, gives us space to grow. But nowadays, Jupiter still serves an important role in our solar system as a protector. Basically, Jupiter, with its really large mass and gravitational field, basically acts as the, the guardian of our solar system. Anything that sort of comes towards the solar system or the inner solar system has to deal with Jupiter first. And it, maybe they get past Saturn's um, gravitational pull, but to get past Jupiter's is really tough. And, you know, Jupiter took a bullet for us in 99. You make this sound like a war story, Justin. This is part of, like, the International Star War, or...? No, no, no. Jupiter took a bullet. Uh, Comet Shoemaker-Levy 9 um, actually impacted Jupiter, was heading towards our area as part of a cometary orbit, and it collided with Jupiter instead of coming closer to Earth and gave Jupiter a big, um, a big black eye. 
for like that lasted for several weeks. And this is what Jupiter's done actually for a lot of the solar system. Some of the moons that it's captured and a lot of the other objects, even the asteroid belt, it actually keeps things in check by sort of balancing out the gravitational field. If anything tries to come in towards us, it sort of has, gets pulled towards Jupiter first, and that's how we end up sort of sheltered. So Jupiter was dangerous and had to be pulled away to let us grow. But at the same time, the balance between Jupiter and the Sun actually gives us a little protective bubble that we can thrive in. It sounds like we should give some sort of sacrifice to say thank you to Jupiter. Maybe eat some baby rocky planets? Just eat a lot of dirt. Alright, just that, like Jupiter did for us. Yeah. Cool. I can't wait for that to happen in the next Jupiter Ascending movie. One of the things that we generally feel pretty safe about is that there's ever an earthquake, as long as we're in the air, we should be okay, right? I mean, the main danger from an earthquake is buildings falling on top of you, the earth shaking, the earth splitting apart at major fault lines. But if you're in the air, say in a plane or a hot air balloon, you probably should be okay from it. And if you're in space, then you really have nothing to worry about at all, surely, you know? How can the shaking ground reach you up there? So imagine the surprise of scientists when they found that an earthquake was actually picked up and felt by a satellite orbiting the Earth at over 268 kilometres above the Earth. So what happened was that the gravity field and steady state ocean circulation explorer, which is a pretty fabulous looking cylinder um, put up by the European Space Agency, which is tasked with observing um, the, the Earth, the oceans, mapping, and understanding the currents and behaviour of our planet. Uh, in particular, looking at the gravitational field of our planet, i.e. what keeps us all on the ground, and understanding how that changes over different parts of the Earth. It was put up in 2009, uh, and it's one of a major part of the satellites in the program of the Living Planet, which is working in detail to understand all the intricate natures of and behaviour of our planet Earth. Now, in 2011, in the great Japanese earthquakes that caused a lot of devastation and destruction, and also the tsunamis that uh, leveled areas around Fukushima, um, that earthquake was very, very large. In fact, it was 9.0 on the Richter scale, which is, as a logarithmic scale, incredibly larger than the earthquakes that you or I have potentially felt. Now, what they actually found is that they, when the quake occurred, the wave caused by the quake actually changed the local gravity around the area of the centre of the earthquake. So much so that it caused a wave of change that actually propagated through that could be picked up by the satellite orbiting over 268 kilometres above the Earth. So we've got to have to ask, obviously, the question, 
how does gravity change? And we think about gravity as, you know, something relatively constant that we all experience in our lives. It's not like if I get on a plane and go to Japan, I suddenly experience a different gravity. Um, no, it's actually relatively stable across most of our lived experience. And if you're a scientist or if you study any physics, you'll know that gravity um, can be approximated as 9.81 metres per second squared of acceleration downwards. And, you know, if you, if you do a bit more physics, you'll know that, okay, well, maybe that there's different levels of gravity on other planets, and you can calculate them using some really nice and cool equations. But that 9.81 that we're so familiar with is actually an approximation, because gravity all over the world actually changes. And what you need to do, which is what the GOES satellite is doing, was actually map all the gravity all the way across the world because it changes and varies depending on the thickness of the earth, the height that you're at, and, number of, and the density of what's underneath you. So gravity isn't a static thing that's universally consistent across earth. In fact, it changes and varies in quite interesting patterns. Now, not enough, obviously, to be noticeable, but enough to be in the seven to nine decimal place range that a, uh, this satellite can pick up. And what was really interesting is that when the earthquake occurred, the earthquake shifts the crust and the mantle and as it changes the surface of the Earth. And what that meant is that the gravity in that area actually changed as well. So the gravity had been adjusted and that caused a whole bunch of different changes to propagate through and the satellite picked it up. And it just goes to show that some of the marvellous ways that we can actually learn more about our planet by monitoring it from space. But the secondary finding of this satellite was actually that that earthquake even managed to shake the satellite, even though it's 268 kilometres above it in space. So not only did the satellite pick up the change in gravitational field from the change in the Earth's surface, which made sense, what was a bit more surprising was the fact that the satellite itself was shaken by the acoustic waves travelling through the Earth's atmosphere up to the island sphere where it's sitting and shaking it. In fact, it wasn't just this satellite that was shaken, but it was many satellites. The earthquake actually partially disrupted GPS satellites for a short period of time as they were being shaken too much. So what actually happened is, after the earthquake occurred, it took about 30 minutes or so for the wave to propagate all the way up there, because sound only travels at about 350 metres per second, you know, in the lower parts of the atmosphere. And the upper parts of the atmosphere, it travels about 1,000 metres a second, so it gets faster as it goes up because there's less resistance from the air as the air gets thinner. And so it took a little bit of time to, to propagate up, this, this big shaking of the Earth's surface called a big shock wave out, and that, that travelled a bit up further, so you know, it went through the lower atmosphere levels. Up after it got about 85 kilometres up, it travelled much faster, and that's when it, when it was heading towards the satellites, and that propagation wave then actually got to the satellites in about you know, three minutes after making the slow journey all the way up uh, over 25 minutes or so. So it just goes to show that even though these massive earthquakes don't actually shake the space around us, and if you're in a plane, you're definitely safer than if you're on the ground, there is still a shockwave that can be felt even on the far reaches of our atmosphere. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week we found out about earthquakes that can shake space and also how Jupiter helped shake space and then leave space for us to grow and develop here on planet Earth. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.